And we'll begin reading in verse number one. And direct our thoughts here for just a little bit this evening to make final preparations for uh, the Thanksgiving day on Thursday. Psalm chapter 26. The context, the background of Psalm 26 is primarily David's declaration of innocence against some accusation being made to him. He's not claiming to be sinless, but he's claiming innocence in whatever that accusation is. And he does what all of us should do when some accusation is brought against us. He took it to the Lord. And notice what he says in verse number one. Judge me, O Lord, for I have walked in mine integrity, my completeness. Uh, All the pieces are there. I am on the inside and the outside, the same thing. He's basically saying I'm not a hypocrite. He's not been duplicitous. But he says, I've walked in mine integrity. I have trusted also in the Lord. The word trust there is the idea of fleeing to the Lord as a place of refuge and then being carefree in the Lord's protection. In other words, because he's my protector, I'm not going to worry. Okay? David said, I've trusted also in the Lord, therefore I shall not slide. He's going to have solid footing in whatever the accusations are that are being made against him. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins in my heart. For thy loving kindness, it's the Hebrew word chesed, which is covenant love, often translated loving kindness. Mercy is the idea as well. Uh, The big word in the Old Testament for the grace of God and his covenant love. Uh, Regardless of what we do, he loves us. Regardless of how we may make wrong choices, his covenant love to his people remains. It's the strongest word uh, that is used to speak of his relationship to the people of Israel in particular. But David said, thy loving kindness is before mine eyes. I keep it constantly before me. I have walked in thy truth. Verse number four, I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers. This is a word for hypocrites. Uh, I have hated the congregation of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. One commentator I read said that this is David's personal application of Psalm chapter one. In his life, not walking in the seat of the, or sitting in the seat of the scornful, walking in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standing in the way of sinners. Verse number six: I will wash my hands in innocence. A public display that the thing he's being accused of, he is not guilty of it. So will I compass thine altar, O Lord. Verse number seven is our key focus this evening: that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell. Of all thy wondrous works. So David in verses 1 to 6 speaks of actions that he wants to be true in his life so that he is prepared, as verse number 7 says, to enter into thanksgiving. And so I want us to see, just as David wanted to be prepared for thanksgiving in verse number 7, I want us to consider several thoughts here as it relates to our making sure that we are spiritually prepared for thanksgiving. We've been trying to do that on Wednesday nights and Sunday preaching as well, having these guest pastors come in over the last four Wednesday nights to preach messages specifically on the subject of Thanksgiving. But here in this final service together, I want us to consider one last time the importance of being prepared for Thanksgiving. And this, let's not forget to prioritize spiritual preparation. Let's pray. Father, help us in these next few moments. Uh, to have our hearts, our thoughts directed towards you. And I pray that our hearts would be fixed on you. 
and that we would make in these final hours before Thanksgiving Day, that we'd make conscious spiritual preparation for this particular day, this specific day of gratitude. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. A lot of preparation is being done for Thanksgiving Day. Guests, family coming in. Uh, houses, Pastor Cable and I were talking about that. Houses being prepared for family, extra family to come in. Uh, food preparations being made. Grocery lists being checked off. I think I was counting today and over the last week and a half, I have been in four different grocery stores. <laughs> Trader Joe's, Costco, Food Lion, and Angles. And for some reason, one store has something that another doesn't, Right. And uh, by the way, we bought cranberry sauce today. For those of you who are visiting, this is a running joke we've been having the last couple of weeks. And it's not the slurpy kind that comes out of a can. Okay, It's the real stuff we got at Trader Joe's today with parts of whole berries in it. We're looking forward to those in our family who like cranberry sauce. Uh, being prepared. I was in the dentist office with Elena a couple days ago and overheard one of the desk ladies, the uh, receptionist at the, at the dentist office, bragging about how she wasn't doing any cooking this year. They were doing takeout from a restaurant. Now, I'm not going to in any way criticize that because I know of at least one or two people here tonight who will be doing that on Thanksgiving Day, and God bless you, more power to you. But uh, anyway, whatever your preparation is, my brother Levi, in order for the church he pastors to have a Thanksgiving meal tonight as a church this evening, he over the last uh, couple of days has smoked three turkeys round the clock watching these turkeys. So a lot of preparation uh, going into uh, Thanksgiving. But uh, my thought for us tonight is this, is in all the hubbub of getting ready legitimately for turkey and for ham and for stuffing and for mashed potatoes and crescent rolls and pumpkin pie and pecan pie and apple pie and whatever else you want to throw into that mix and your cranberry sauce, okay? In the middle of all of that, let me remind us tonight, let's not forget to prioritize spiritual preparation, okay? And David gives us an illustration of that. Even as he is proclaiming his innocence and bringing himself before the Lord for the Lord's judgment, the Lord's protection, the Lord's vindication in his life and some kind of false accusation, in so doing, he gives us several actions or steps, if you would, that help us to prepare. Just as he says in verse number 7, why does he do all this? Why? That I may publish, verse number 7, with the voice of thanksgiving. Okay. And tell of all thy wondrous works. Uh, so what are several of these steps? I notice in uh, verse number 1 and 2 that the first step David gives to us in making spiritual preparation for Thanksgiving is to submit to God's examination in your life. Submit to God's examination. David says, judge me, O Lord. I appreciated Beverly Hatcher's testimony on Sunday evening when she brought up the verse about the Lord being the judge of the widows. And the, the, our, our mindset of judge is passing down judgment. But the Bible word for judge is a much bigger word, and may I say a better word than our typical limited English understanding. The word here is the idea of David saying, vindicate me, Lord. I think about what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 23 about the Lord Jesus Christ, that he committed himself, even as he was being reviled and mocked and slandered, Jesus committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. 
When we bring ourselves before the judgment of the Lord, mark it down, we are submitting ourselves to the one who judges righteously. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? David would go on to say, I've walked in mine integrity. I've trusted in the Lord. I'm not going to slide because of the, the Lord's faithfulness in my life. And notice this. What a brazen thing, in, in a sense, to say, Lord, you examine me. Saying to the one who is omniscient, you prove me. It's the idea of proving me to be real, proving me to be who I am and who I'm claiming to be because of you in my life. Try my reins in my heart. How, how is this a cause for thanksgiving? For most people, this might seem like a cause for running the other way. Why, is, why does it contribute to thanksgiving when we say to the Lord, judge me, prove me, try me, examine me? Keep your hand here and look at Psalm 130. I love this. Psalm 130. And you talk about a simple psalm that has the answer. Psalm 130, notice verse number 1. Psalm 130 and verse number 1. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Now notice verse number 3. If thou shouldest mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall... Stand. What's the answer to that question? No one. But notice verse number four. Why is it that someone could brazenly say, Lord, you examine me, you prove me, you try me. The same one who before him, if he started marking iniquities, nobody would stand. Why? Verse number four. Why could the psalmist say this? But there is forgiveness with thee. <laughs> Listen, when it comes to offending other people, you're not always guaranteed a forgiveness from other people. But when it comes to the Lord, you can be completely transparent with Him because you are guaranteed a forgiveness if you deal with your sin God's way. Okay. And that's cause for thanksgiving. Notice, if you would, verse number 7 of the Psalm 130. Let Israel hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is, and with Him is, plenteous redemption. What a tremendous challenge to us tonight. If, if I want to spiritually prepare for Thanksgiving, let me just bring myself before the Lord and say, Lord, you know me. And I'm submitting myself to your vindication, your judgment in my life. Uh, I read a great illustration this past week. You ladies, when you're going to be fixing some pies or cakes this week, preparing for Thanksgiving, you're going to set a timer on a stove, on that oven, and when it beeps, you're going to pull it out. But I want to speak very carefully here. Most of you ladies, okay, are not going to be satisfied that just because the timer went off and you followed the allotted time for baking whatever that good was in the oven, you're going to do something. You're not just going to look at the outside and say, okay, the timer beeped. It looks good on top. Most of you are going to take a toothpick. And you're going to slide a toothpick down in that cake, down in that pie, down in that brownie. And you're going to pull it out. And if it comes out clean, you've just done an internal test to know it's done. But if it comes out with stuff still stuck all over it, what are you going to do? You're going to stick it back in. Let me tell you something. The Lord is the one who knows when his work has been accomplished in our lives. Okay. 
And I love what the author of Hebrews said. The Lord is the one before whom we are naked and open, the one with whom we have to do. He knows me, and yet he loves me anyway. Okay. And that's cause for thanksgiving. So you can submit yourself to God's examination, and it's part of preparation for thanksgiving. But really, it leads us to a second thing. Why can we do this? Why is it that people for 2,000 years now, and actually longer because of what we read in the book of Psalms and the timing of David, can say things like this? Because they understand that it's not their righteousness that gains them acceptance in the sight of God. It is the righteousness of God. How do you get it? Notice verse number 3. The second cause for thanksgiving or preparation for thanksgiving David says this, For thy loving kindness is before mine eyes, thy covenant love you've covenanted with me. I'm telling you, I've been meditating lately on 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 13. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Once he put his name on me, it doesn't matter. Once he put his name on me at the point I trusted Christ as Savior, he will not deny himself because he's put his name on me. Folks, there's only one explanation for that. Mercy. Loving kindness. Covenant love. Now, for sure, don't presume on it. Don't take advantage of it. Don't use it. As Paul would warn in Romans chapter number 6 and other places, don't use the grace of God as a vindication or justification for sinning in your life. But David, in part of preparing himself, verse number 7, for thanksgiving, verse number 3, he said, For thy lo- I keep your loving kindness before mine eyes. I have walked in thy truth. I read an interesting story today. One of the colonial governors, or actually be later than that, a governor of India, uh, was struggling with several of those East Indian tribes who were criminal tribes. And the Hindus couldn't control them in India. The Muslims couldn't control them. The British government couldn't control them. So finally, the British governor, who had something of an awareness of the grace of God, went all the way back to England and met with William Booth of the Salvation Army before it became the social gospel institution that it is. And he went back and he appealed to William Booth. He said, would you send some of your soldiers from the Salvation Army to India and would you help? And William Booth, contrary to what the Salvation Army has become, he said this. He said, you don't change a man on the inside by giving him a shirt on the outside. He said, now we meet people's needs and we help like Christ did, but our goal is the gospel and people need to know the love of Christ. And so they literally designated, as the story goes, designated a geographical location and rounded up all of these hooligan tribes into this particular location in India and then turned gospel preachers from the Salvation Army loose in that region. When those people heard about the love of Jesus Christ and interacted with people who were accurate reflections of the loving kindness, the covenant love, the historical record tells us that those people, thousands of them were transformed. So much so that the Hindus, who at first couldn't control them, became angry because now so many of these Hindu people or Indian people became believers in Jesus Christ. So acknowledging God's mercy and truth in our lives... It's a powerful preparation for thanksgiving. And David said in verse number 3, I've walked in thy truth. Aren't you glad for the truth of God that tells you which direction to go? 
Aren't you glad that we don't, contrary to what the world says about truth being relative, we don't have to figure this out ourselves. We've been given the spirit of truth from the God of truth. We've seen the example of Jesus Christ who is the truth, and we have a book that is truth. What a tremendous preparation in our lives for Thanksgiving. Recognize that. Oh, yesterday, Ed Dunlop, the evangelist, called me. And he said, uh, he said, it's been several years since I was there. He says, I was just confirming uh, that you're on the Outer Banks, right? <laughs> I said, uh, no, I'm really glad you called. <laughs> Columbus County, North Carolina, is on the Outer Banks. That's different than the city of Columbus, North Carolina, in Polk County. Can you imagine what my heart would have done Saturday afternoon if he called and said, I'm here looking at the Atlantic Ocean, but I can't find your church. Okay. The importance of truth, direction, and we've got it from the Lord. And so the first action, David submitted himself to God's examination to prepare for gratitude, for thanksgiving. Secondly, he acknowledged God's mercy and truth in his life. Thirdly, He separated himself from those who were the enemies of God. I have not, verse number four, I have not sat with vain persons, neither will I go in with dissemblers, hypocrites. I have hated the congregation of evildoers. I will not sit with the wicked. I will wash my hands in innocency. He acknowledged, or he separated himself from God's enemies. Now, someone might say, how does this promote preparing for Thanksgiving? How does this help me prepare for Thanksgiving? I suppose there are a number of reasons that we could bring out if we discussed it further. But I'll tell you one way that separating from God's enemies is a cause for thanksgiving. Because those who are God's enemies are going to experience the consequences of being God's enemies. And when I avoid association with them, that means I avoid those consequences too. Okay. Simple illustration that I think of is this. I remember... One of my brothers, when he had just gotten his driver's license, and I was older than he was, and we were driving through Nashville, Tennessee. And he was doing everything right. It was heavy traffic, but all of a sudden, his hands gripped tightly on the steering wheel. And he said, Nathan, Nathan. I said, what? He said, there's a police officer behind us. I said, are you doing the speed limit? He said, "Mm mm-hmm. I said, are you disobeying any traffic laws? No. I said, you have nothing to worry about. You're going to avoid the consequences of a transgressor because you're within the bounds of the law. And i got to tell you something. That's cause for thanksgiving. <laughs> several, a couple weeks ago on the family chat, uh, several of my siblings were rejoicing that they had just gotten their youngest child through driver's training and driver's licenses. And based on the announcement that Grace and I made Sunday evening, I thought, man, I just signed up for a bunch more years of that. Got it coming. I'm going to know what it's like to several years from now still be teaching 16-year-olds how to drive. You ever noticed when you come to a traffic check, a license check, insurance check, registration check, if you've got all that stuff in place, do you worry? You shouldn't. Now, how many of you notice just by nature that when you're driving, we were coming to church tonight, passed a police officer, and just instinctively, you know what you do? You cover your brake, look at your odometer, right? 
okay. But listen, if you're not, if you're not in association with evildoers, you can praise God that you're not going to experience the consequences of being an evildoer. I'm grateful for my parents when we were kids growing up in Wayland who drew lines and taught us a balance between being evangelistic with kids in the neighborhood and being Christ in their life, if you would, but also not going the way that those young people went. And when we were back there in September, I was struck to hear stories about some of those young people that we grew up knowing in the town And there was a divergence of ways, and mom and dad helped us learn where to draw the line of biblical separation. It's interesting. Some of those kids are now in prison. But you know what else? Here's the good thing. Some of those kids that we grew up spending time with submitted to the testimony of Christ in their lives. I thought about a young man growing up in that town that came to Bible school. When I was an older teenager, I got to lead him to Christ in a Bible school at Wayland, and he's a youth pastor today in the area there. But I think about consequences. But because an association was avoided, and parents helped young people determine, hey, okay, there's a difference between being a friend and having friends. That's for another time and explanation. But avoiding those associations, separation from God's enemies, helps to prepare us for thanksgiving. Fourthly and finally, I'll give us this and then close. A fourth action of David. Notice, if you would, in verse number six, the second half of the verse, so will I compass thine altar. It's the idea of surround, be around thine altar, the place of the presence of God, that I may publish with the voice of thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Fourthly, I see this, another action that we can be involved in that will help prepare us for thanksgiving. Not only to acknowledge, or pardon me, submit to God's examination in our lives, acknowledge God's mercy mercy and truth uh, at work in our lives, separate from God's enemies, and thank God we get to avoid the consequences that come in their lives. But then also, number four, another action is this important thing of gravitating to God's house and God's people. You say, why, why compassing the altar of the Lord, if you would, the place of his presence and loving his habitation, being around God's house and God's people and the presence of God, why is that cause for thanksgiving? Why does that help prepare for thanksgiving? Can I just say this practically? How many of you have been encouraged by hearing other believers give testimonies Sunday night and tonight? Yeah. You have had your heart prepared for thanksgiving because you were here. Because we were here. You know how God works through testimonies like this? I might be going through a particular time of need in my life, maybe just burdened with that. I come to the place where God's honor dwells, the place where God's people gather. And I hear someone give a testimony about how they were struggling with a particular sin in their life and God gave them victory. And if I've been struggling, I hear that and I'm thinking, you know what, God, give me victory too. I've got a need in my life, maybe a material need, a physical need, and I hear someone talk about how God is Jehovah Jireh. 
And God met a need in that person's life, and I hear that, and it encourages me, it prepares me for Thanksgiving, if you would, because I hear that, and I'm like, you know what? If God can meet that person's, he can take care of my need, too. And we hear that, and we're helped. We're prepared to be a grateful people ourselves. But it only comes, listen, when we gravitate to God's house and God's people. Close with this and then we'll pray. One of my most indelible memories of a Thanksgiving was from my boyhood. And we were playing before we ever had the Thanksgiving meal in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Pofftown, actually. How many of you have heard of Pofftown, North Carolina, on the southwest side of Winston-Salem? Uh, I shared with you a week or two ago about my grandparents getting saved in the early 70s. And that same house had a big front yard And uh, we were playing Nerf football in the front yard one morning before Thanksgiving dinner. My mom and grandma and aunts were all in the house preparing. And uh, my uncles and a bunch of us cousins were out in the front yard playing a Nerf football game. And uh, one of my uncles dropped back to pass, and I had gone long down towards the end zone. And I was probably 11, 12 years old, and he launched that Nerf football, and I... Uh, wasn't quite uh, where I needed to be, and he overthrew me a bit, and so I laid out to catch that pass. And instead of catching that football, I implanted my face on a stump in my grandpa's front yard. Thankfully, I didn't break anything, didn't have to get stitches, but within about 15 minutes, my eye was swollen shut, my mouth was swollen to where I couldn't eat, and do you know how disappointing that is? To have been preparing all day to eat Thanksgiving dinner, prepared by my grandmother and my mom and my aunts because of an obstacle (laughs) in my grandparents' front yard, not able to partake. Here's the thought. Spiritual preparation for Thanksgiving is far more important than any physical preparation we've been making. And let's make sure that as we think about these actions that David put into place in his life to prepare for Thanksgiving so that he could say in verse number 7, I've done all this that I may publish with the voice of Thanksgiving and tell of all thy wondrous works. Let us make sure that spiritual obstacles that stand in the way of our being prepared and ready, that we've dealt with them, that we've removed them, so then when it comes to, thir- really, don't wait till Thursday. Okay. And I appreciate the point that we've tried to make and several people have made as well. And that is this, is that every day should be Thanksgiving in the believer's life. But let's make sure that we're consciously following these steps of action and preparation, removing the obstacles and being ready spiritually for Thanksgiving. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be together as a church. Lord, we pray for a number of the folks who uh, are part of our church family, who are traveling uh, or unable to be here this evening. I know some are watching via live stream. And I pray that all of us will be helped from the scripture. Uh, Lord, I want to uh, just mention several of these requests that have been brought up this evening. I think, Lord, of uh, Brother Ray Halford right now in uh, 
the Pelham Hospital recuperating. Thank you that the surgery went well. Thank you that you opened the door for him to go to North Grove for rehabilitation. And but Lord, even more than his physical healing, I pray that you'd continue to comfort his heart and the recent home going of Omi. Lord, that he would sense your presence, that he would know your comforting hand in his life. And Lord, we have praised the Lord that you are the, the husband of the widow and the father of the orphans. But I thank you too for how you comfort the hearts of widowers as well. And I pray that you would do that and raise life this evening. I pray for Cynthia, Lord, that you'd continue to work in her body, give her doctor wisdom uh, as, they, as he prescribes medication and seeks a balance in all of that. And uh, Lord, we would just specifically ask you uh, that this medicine and your healing touch in her life would uh, solve whatever the issue is and that it would not be anything serious. And Lord, we pray for our upcoming meeting with Brother Dunlop beginning on Sunday. Father, I pray for many folks that have been invited. Uh, the devil would just love to fill their minds and hearts and schedule full of excuses. But I pray that you would work in people's hearts and just put within them a compulsion to be here, to hear the gospel and to hear the preaching and the teaching of your word. And Lord, not just the children that would come, but families, whole families. Lord, I pray that we would see lives changed um, from Sunday to Thursday, and that we'd have the privilege of, of being able to disciple some folks that trust you as Savior, in this meeting, give us boldness and courage and discretion as we invite people to know who to invite and, Lord, to get these flyers out. Father, we ask now as we part ways this evening that you'd watch over us until we come back together on Sunday. And, Lord, I just want to ask very practically, too, that you'd give us safety as we partake of this football game on Thursday morning that we'd have a wonderful time of fellowship, even as we enjoy some recreation. Thank you for physical health and strength that you give to us. Lord, I pray then that as we gather together with family and friends on Thanksgiving Day, that even as we enjoy food and fellowship, I pray above all that our hearts and our minds would be turned to your loving kindness in our lives and your goodness and the privilege that it is for us to be together with God's people and to be on the heavenward way and to be citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And Lord, to be your witnesses and testimonies of your life-changing power. And so, Father, we ask your blessing on us as we go and bring us back together on Sunday to hear from your word and to worship you in the beauty of your holiness. Lord, I do pray for the Anah Land Project, that you'd be working in our hearts about uh, what you would have us to contribute to that. And I pray that uh, by the 12th of December, when the purchase is to be made, that every penny needed would be in. Lord, I pray that you'd also be working in each of our hearts, too, about our missions giving. Lord, that you would work through this church Thank you for the assurance. Even as we think about a church that in comparison to others is a smaller church, I thank you for the promise that we so often sing about, little is much when God is in it. 
Lord, even as we contribute finances, we thank you for the privilege that it is to contribute laborers to the harvest field as well. I pray for Matt and Amanda as they seek to walk this paperwork through again. And then get Amanda through another semester of Spanish language school in Texas. And Lord, that they would be able to, May, June next year, go back to Columbia, all the better equipped and prepared for the great work that you're doing there. I pray that you'd watch over the church in Ipialis and the church in San Juan, even as they're here. Matt and Amanda are, and God, use those churches, grow those churches. Thank you for national laborers that have stepped into the gap there and are being used of you to do a wonderful work. I thank you for protecting Michael and Nora in the earthquake last night in the Solomon Islands. And uh, Lord, give them opportunity to see their ministry move forward through this. Continue to strengthen Josh and Katie in their language training in Quebec. And Lord, we pray for the Salyers and we pray for Roxanne and our other missionaries, Lord, that are either sent out of here or supported by us, that you would watch over each of them, meet their needs. And Lord, even as many of them will be celebrating Thanksgiving away from family on the other side of the world, I pray, God, that you would allow them to have sweet fellowship with national believers wherever they're laboring. It will be a little taste of what it is for us to be together in the family of God and to be gathered together in your presence for all eternity. And so we conclude by saying tonight with the Apostle John, even so come Lord Jesus. And Lord, if you came tomorrow, it would be just fine with us. And I pray that our hearts would always be longing for that and that our eyes would be looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that in the meantime, we'd be faithful, we'd be holy, and we'd be compassionate and loving. And I pray these things in Christ's name.